Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's get into today's topic. My name is Adam Homey. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. This is going to be one of those episodes. We run these every so often in the history of the Business Creators Radio Show, the many years we've been on the air. In addition to your typical how you grow your business type topics, we also know that our listeners have a demand for things like multiple streams of revenue, how to get more out of assets they already have, how to invest some of the money they're making rather than just buying more Facebook ads. And we've had some pretty interesting episodes. Uh, Some of us may remember when Ace Chapman was on. That's an episode you should definitely tune into. We had somebody who shared with us how you should buy seemingly valueless land that's near a railroad track because some factory might need to build a driveway through it sometime and then you can make money off the driveway and right-of-way rights. Uh, We had somebody show you how to develop a new stream of revenue by owning and leasing billboards. Today, we're going to get into cell towers. That's right, leasing cell towers. That's the title, and there is such a fun story behind this. It's even got me a little bit curious because I know people that have land that's just sitting there, particularly in rural areas where cell coverage isn't all that great, and there are revenue opportunities for your land that's just sitting there, believe it or not. So if you're a business creator and you're investing in land against future possible developments, even if they're not putting in the subdivision or the zoning is not going to happen for another 10 years, you can be making money off that today. Got a big yard? You can make money off that. You want to be a participant in the information superhighway and you have the access to do it? Here's where you're going to learn how to do it. We have Hugh Odom on here today. He is the founder and president of Vertical Consultants, where he and his team pro- help property owners leverage the best deals for property owners considering a cell tower on their building or storage facility. So if you have a building where you just store stuff like an old warehouse. Hugh has over 20 years of experience as an attorney working for telecom companies like AT&T. Over this time, he learned about the economics behind cell phone towers and has applied this knowledge to help people negotiate the best terms with telecom providers. This led to him providing consulting advice to companies like Walmart, McDonald's, and Disney, as well as governmental institutions for the, like from the United States Postal Service to the city of Atlanta and more. Hugh, come on in. The weather's fine. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate you allowing us to be part of your program. Well, heck, I'm just reading off your official bio there, which tells a little bit about your trajectory. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my episode. So um, (laughs) here's what we like to do, and you may have caught this if you've tuned into a few of our episodes before you hopped on yourself. We like to take a step back and discover more about our guests and their journey and what's brilliantly and passionately brought them to where they are today. So aside from the step-by-step biographical statement I basically just read, tell us more about what has propelled you and brought you here. 
Well, I think uh, opportunity. I think that's what I always looked at it at when I uh, got into law school and I knew I wanted to be an attorney, but I also knew I wanted to go into business. I knew uh, getting a, a JD, a legal degree would uh, give me a, a, another a piece of the a puzzle to have a foundation to once at some point in the future own a business that I want to run myself. And, and I took my years as a transactional attorney that moved up to, then I moved up to AT&T and learned about the telecom industry inside AT&T for over a decade and then decided, hey, there's an opportunity to get out here in a thriving, booming industry and get on the other side of the table and help people who are being asked to lease their land for cell towers, rooftop antennas, things of that nature, see if there's an opportunity there to switch sides of the table, change the, the, the black hat to the white hat, let's say, and help people get better overall terms, not only financial terms, but better overall terms for leasing their land. So it was just a situation from, from early on in my career to take every step and use it as a, as a, as a block to build upon and ultimately uh, built uh, vertical consultants. We started that about 10 years ago. As you said, we work with everybody from individuals all the way up to some of the largest companies in the world. That's great. And, you know, you have a number of points you want us to cover, and we may do them in more or less chronological order, but we do give ourselves radical permission that if we find ourselves taking down an interesting road, we're going to take it. So if this sounds like it's a little bit more methodical than some of our other episodes, ride with it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great journey, and Hugh's got a lot for you. So first of all, the first thing you want to cover with us is whether or not it's more important than ever to have a stable wireless infrastructure due to the COVID-19 surges and the great need to handle emergency services, telemedicine services, and communications for local and federal first responders. I would say, duh, but tell us more. Well, it definitely is. I, I, I discuss this with people all the time, I say, besides food, water, and air, what is the thing you rely upon most every day? And that's communications. And that communications is usually through some form of wireless device, your telephone, your laptop, something of that nature to, to keep you in communication with individuals, with business-oriented, school, et cetera. Now, that has been amplified tremendously over the last nine-plus months since COVID kind of hit, uh, hit us in the United States. And what that's come to mean is that that already stressed infrastructure was out there for wireless demand because it was already almost running into full capacity. It now is just been, it's been pushed even beyond that. And it becomes a situation by which now because of COVID, we need this to expand the wireless infrastructure that already exists to again, be able to do business, be able to go to school, be able to deal with health services. And that means what that means right now for property owners, it means that people who already have existing cell tower agreements in place with an AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, or whoever, their agreements just became more valuable because they are being used more. Those sites are being used more than ever. And that also means there's opportunities for new property owners, existing property owners who don't have anything on their property because what's happening is because of COVID, because of the 5G rollout, which I know we'll get to eventually in this discussion, is that there's going to be a need for over half a million plus new cell sites in the United States in the next three, four, five years. And that is probably a very conservative estimate. And that has been, again, pushed forward at an expedited pace because of COVID and, and because of the need to, to build out those 
build out those networks, not only in urban areas, more, more particularly in rural areas, because of the because of lack of, of again wireless infrastructure in those areas for people to again go to, go to school, do business, get their health services, etc. I'm going to tell a little quick personal story here that may help make this even more relatable to our audiences than you've already than you've already done. Uh, for a few years after I moved here to Las Vegas, I kept having this thing happen where I would go through sort of a fever that would last about 24 hours. First, I would be so cold, even if it was 115 degrees out, that I would have to turn up my furnace, activate my uh, gas fireplace, and lay under three blankets. I'd, uh, I'd clonk out, and then five hours later, I'd be so hot, I had to run the air conditioner, lay under ice packs, and, uh, and take a cold shower, and then lay with three fans blowing on me just to cool myself off. 24 hours later, I'd be just fine, but my right leg would be all swollen up and red. Now, I thought for years, three or four years, that this was heat exhaustion, and I didn't know, notice the coincidence with the leg. I thought the leg had something to do with maybe I stepped on something or some bug I wasn't familiar with in Las Vegas kept biting me. I don't know. Well, I went to, I went to have it checked out, and it, you know, I think many of our listeners recognize that I just described common recurring cellulitis. Uh, went to uh, one of those, uh, I think it's uh, like an emergency care type thing, and had all my vitals checked there. Then they said, well, uh, you know, we would give you the prescription for the antibiotics because we think it's cellulitis, but there's a uh, 0.9 digit decimal chance that it could be a blood clot. So we want you to go the, to get in the, to an ultrasound. So you have to go to the emergency room, which I don't know why I did, but I went along with it. First thing that happens there is they check my vitals again. Then somebody else comes in. They check my vitals again. Like how much is my blood pressure going to change in an hour, except that maybe it got elevated a little bit because of how aggravated I was getting. So this is over $2,000 in medical costs finally to get a $4 prescription to take pills for 10 days to make it go away. Three months later, it recurred again. And I thought, oh, here's the cellulitis again. I need the, I need the antibiotics. This time, I was in a place where I could use telemedicine. So you log into a little app, type in what you think's going on, hit send, then you wait for like five minutes. And after that, a nurse with prescription authority came on and asked me to hold the phone, the camera to my leg so she could see it. And she said, oh yeah, that's probably cellulitis. And then after giving me the usual lecture about how I really needed to see a doctor, wrote me the prescription and said, if this doesn't clear up in 10 days, go actually see a doctor, $20. With COVID and all the changes in the economy forcing this telemedicine upon us, I think that's a good thing because think about it. I described two very different situations that had the exact same result with a $2,000 difference between them. Now imagine that multiplying through various different industries that all involve the internet and 3G, 4G, 5G connections. And do we think that what you're sharing with us today might be more and more relevant as time goes on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it would definitely, with regards to the situation that exists out there right now, it's only going to, we're only going to rely upon wireless services to a greater degree. And, and the other part of that is that you have a disparity out there as well. Is if you live in certain areas of the country, you have less ability to, 
as you mentioned, be ha have the access to telehealth services because you don't have the wireless infrastructure, you don't have the internet infrastructure in your area versus someone who maybe live, let's say, 15 miles down the road who has that capability. So there has to be an, an equity put in place with regards to these services because as much as we have for so many years used use these things, kind of your phone or your internet or things of that nature as kind of a add-on service or something that's a, a, basically a, a luxury, it's become a utility. And right. by becoming a utility, it, that utility, it would be very much like if, if, if I said to you, okay, okay, Adam, you have the ability to have running water. You have the ability to have electricity. You have the ability to have uh, heat. You have the ability to have this, but this guy down the road who, who really isn't that far away, he doesn't have running water. He doesn't have heat that people wouldn't live like that. We, it would be, it would be like they're living in a third world country. And we're, we're getting to that point where these things are becoming more and more a necessity than they are a luxury. And people have to, like I said, not only for telehealth, but it's happening a lot with regards to kids going to school. A kid that lives maybe 10 miles down the road can't have access to, to online learning where this other kid does. A person who has a job can do their job for, for online at this location, this person down the street or a few miles away can't. So it becomes a situation by which this is a utility that that is going to have to be built out more and more um, to uh, avail itself to not just select people, but everyone. Well, look at it this way. Uh, they won't let kids into the physical school building, but the state is required to give them an education. Right. How else are they going to do it? Exactly. I mean, so, 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 so there's no more room for, well, that's a very low populated area and it's a very low investment for us and the wires that go out there are old already. So you guys can just use satellites. Now, nah, now nah, I think we're going to be completely past that if we're not already there and just need to catch up. Well, I think it's going to be uh, my two cents worth on it is that you're going to have a situation by which uh, the federal government, I believe, is going to have to, as part of getting these companies, large telecommunication companies, to get permission to do certain things, to build out where they can make more money through certain certain uh, services they provide, they're going to mandate as part of that that they build out, build out rural areas and do certain things that, that add on. And they're not going to let them just focus on those areas that are most financially advantageous to them and say, hey, it's not, you're not, you don't have that many um, customers over here. So you don't have to build out infrastructure over here versus over here where you can make more money. That's the only way this is going to get worked out. Now, there's good and bad to that, but, um, but that, that avails itself to um, uh, of allowing people uh, to, again, to have access to this, this necessity. There's something else that comes to mind. I'm just going to interject it real quickly. What about repeaters? Well, repeaters, repeaters are in this with repeaters. They're more of a depending on again. This is a very depending on the type of repeater, depending on where it is, depending on right. the topography, things and all that. Repeaters are just put for mostly. I'll just use the phrase, a very basic phrase, phone service. They're not okay. for data. They're not for data usage. Per I'm not gonna say that's a hundred percent of the time, but they're not for data. And that's what people. I, I always kid people when I when I go get a phone, a new phone. You know, the guy at the phone store says, hey, look at this phone. It can do this, 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 and this. And I, and I go, they never start off with, Here, how, here's how it makes a better phone call. 
here's how you get a better set. You know, yeah. you a, it never, it's not, we don't have phones anymore. We have small computers that has, has the ability to make a phone call. So really that, that, you know, that phone that you have in your hand, no matter which brand it is, is basically a data device. And it, it just makes phone calls as a side, as kind of a side note. Um, so the repeater will allow some of those, those phone service activities to to be available to you, but doesn't really doesn't really meet the needs of the the data transfer that we're all using to such a huge degree now. Right. I just wanted to bring that up because um, like radios used by law enforcement, ham radios, CB radios, they have use for repeaters because their range is quite limited and somehow they need to communicate over long distances. Like uh, you, know, you see a police officer uh, driving in their cruiser, even in an urban area, and they have this radio that signal is only good for a block or two. There are repeaters all over the place that are not necessarily in your face visual to the eye that are everywhere. They'll allow that signal to stretch all the way back to their dispatch. Right. Well, yes. I mean, so there's a, there's some of that, but you know, there with regards to the, the, the bigger infrastructure with regards to 911 services, things like yeah. that, it's, it's, it's more of a data driven service. So that's where repeaters kind of drop a little bit of it. So it's, that's, so it can provide some, but it's not going to provide you the, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of like having a telegraph versus a, uh, you know, yeah. a cell phone. So. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to put it in there because when I have these conversations, the word repeaters tends to come up a lot and usually within the context, you just described this. So I also wanted to throw it in there just to disambiguate terms. Now sure. the wireless networks as they are right now really have the capacity to maintain all these business requirements, especially with uh, education moving into the home and tens of millions of people who probably should have had the right to telecommute anyway now working from home uh, whether it's the answer to their prayers or their employer's nightmare well the simple answer is no uh, but the but uh, really think of it this way you had um, you were think of it kind of like a, a highway that you drive on an interstate that you drive on and and you're already filled with cars you had you know a four-lane highway and it was just it was bunched up and you're bumper to bumper and now you got, you know, five, 10 times as many cars going to use that road. You know, you're just, you're, it's going to get slower. You're going to lose services. You're going to lose the ability to, to be, um, have a certain level of performance. So the, as I said, the quick answer is no, there was already an issue. That's why 5G was being rolled out so quickly or trying to be rolled out so quickly to, to, to meet the needs of customers, to meet the needs of these certain services that were already in the pipeline but what happened was now you have all these additional services, all these diff additional users as well using these services that um, uh, that uh, now only uh, makes the problem even worse. Wow, that's I mean that that's another one of those duh questions. But what the reason I'm asking them to you is so that you can fill in some of the details so that people can understand both the challenges and the opportunity here. So in your estimation, Hugh, do you think the federal government should require your mobile and data carriers like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to set up what are known as temporary cell sites, whether they're rural areas or urban areas, to handle all this increased wireless network needs, which is spiking and going to keep spiking? Definitely. I think, there's, I think there should not only be a temporary, they should, they should designate areas where there's temporary services set up or temporary infrastructure, I should say, set up. But they also, as I mentioned somewhat very briefly, is they, they should roll out a plan to make these companies 
focus on as they build out sites in urban areas, they focus also building out sites um, in these in these rural areas because if not, you again, your equity becomes greater between the two areas. So a temporary site is going to help out, but it is it's just a stopgap. It's not going to it's not going to serve the long term uh, uh, issues that uh, exist because this is only I hate to say this is only going to get worse. It's not this is not something that that is going to get um, is going to by putting a temporary uh, site out there. It's going to kind of it's going to solve a little bit of the issue, but you're going to keep on using more and more data and more and more services, and it's just not going to be a long term solution. Yeah, yeah, but could they be end up doing the temporary thing just to bridge the gap because kids need to get educated right now. Come, people need to be able to work right now. Uh, people need to be able to receive telemedicine right now. Uh, by a combination of human needs and existing laws mandating things, this stuff can't wait. Well, definitely. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Is that they should do it immediately. I think that if there's, there are areas that they can put out temporary sites to alleviate some of the issues, that should be done. But as what I was getting at is what with y'all should do is also mandate a plan for them to provide a permanent solution as well. Because the only way that works is, is that you have to build out permanent infrastructure. If you put out temporary infrastructure by its own definition, it is temporary. And so if you don't have a plan to replace that temporary with something permanent, it is you're you're kind of again you're just solving the problem in a, a short-term basis, and that problem it exists today, but it's only going to get worse. And the only way to the only way to deal with that on a long-term basis is to build out that permanent infrastructure. Yeah. So let me ask this a different way because I think I I missed the question I was asking. Are there opportunities right now for landowners and property owners to profit or gain revenues from being the from offering their space for temporary sites while they figure this whole thing out. Definitely, I, and and yes, there 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 is definitely from uh, not only from a rural situation but also in an urban situation. There are going to be in the next, I would say, six to eighteen to twenty four months because they're still ramping this up. A lot of uh, opportunity, a lot of engagement by these companies to use land on a temporary basis and some of those temporary sites will morph into being permanent sites. And that allows a property owner to, I guess, establish a relationship with these companies and hopefully get a long-term agreement in place. And that would be financially beneficial. The one thing I would say is that the property owner needs to be very um, leery and, and understanding of, have a clear understanding, I should say, of don't get don't you know get so focused on the short term and get into a option situation where they can go over your property long term and you're not getting the financial um, uh, benefit that you should be getting based upon the value they're getting from your land and also you don't do things that might have a negative impact not only in the area they're using but your entire property as well. What would be some examples of those negatives? Well, some of the, the some of the biggest examples. Um, one would be, let's say I came out to you and I was Verizon. I came out to you and said, look, I want to use um, 1,500 square feet of your property to put out a temporary site. And I, here's the agreement. You look at it. You negotiate a rent. You think that's a good deal. But you look at this agreement and say, oh, they're only going to use this 1,500 square feet. It's over here on the back portion of my property. Um, I don't have an issue with that. No big deal. I'm going to give you money for basically nothing. But in reality, you're not just giving them the right 
to that area, that, that 1,500 square feet, but you're putting restrictions on the rest of your property. For example, if I came out, let's say a year later, and say I just walked off the street and say, hey, I love this property. I just love the entire property. And I want to buy it. I'll buy it for 10 times market value. 10 times market value. I have one, one issue. I, I'm okay with Verizon being out here, but I just need them to relocate their equipment, just relocate the utilities serving the equipment uh, by 100 feet, just move it 100 feet to the east. Well, you've got so focused on this rent that they've offered you, you've forgotten to figure out what this agreement actually impacts, not only the area they're going to be using, but also your entire property. So a lot of times, some, some pro not only some basically one-off one property owners who own one property, we've dealt with some very sophisticated property owners who got into that mode of they got, they got kind of sold on this idea of free money and they forgot how this impacts their overall property. The other thing is, very quickly, that we see a lot is, they get into a situation, a property get, or gets into a situation that they get so focused on that rent, they forget to understand what they're agreeing to with regards to liability. And what I mean by that is something happened on their property that somehow that equipment for Verizon or T-Mobile or whoever got damaged by some action of the property owner. Let's say it costs $5,000 for the damage. Okay, that's not, you know, you don't want that, but you can repair or replace the equipment. But let's say you shut uh, Verizon down for a week the problem is Verizon will come to you and say, hey, it's $5,000 to repair this, but all the emergency migration costs and backup costs was $52,000. And here's the bill for the $5,000 plus the $52,000. So they have this unlimited liability situation, the property owner does. So they need to make sure they understand how to limit liability because most property owners, if not all property owners, have, less of, have, have more risk and less ability to cover that risk than the very large companies they're leasing to. So it's, it's very important that a property owner gets the best financial terms, but they also understand exactly what they're agreeing to and how it impacts not only the area that the company wants to use, the telecom company wants to use, but their entire property. Wow. I never thought of any of that. See, when I first was introduced to this topic, when you uh, and I first discussed you being on the show, we uh, I was thinking the, of this in terms of, hey, the property has natural gas on it, so it raises the value of the property. But now you're telling me that while it may raise the value of the property, there's an existing agreement to have a, a cell phone tower there, it could potentially cause the property owner some issues that are different and in some ways potentially more expensive than things that could go wrong with the natural gas pipeline that's running underneath the yard. Yes, I mean, that's why the, one of the reasons we started this company, Vertical Consultants, our company, deals with not only the financial issues, but the non-monetary. And, and really the thing is, if these things are structured correctly, if the sell tower agreement is structured correctly, it can be a very valuable asset for the property owner. It can increase value of the overall property. But I'll use this, I'll use this statement. If I came to you, Adam, and I said, hey, I'm going to offer you a million dollars. I just have one condition, just one. I bet you and everybody listening to this would want to know what that one condition is. Yes. So my, point, my point being is if I come out to you and I offer you a cell tower agreement, you better understand what you're getting, but you better understand what you're giving up because you're actually being sold something. Even though you're, you're obtaining revenue, you're being sold. Hey, you're get, I'm using this area that you, of your property and you're making money for nothing. You're not using it. So I'm going to use it and pay you something for it. Um, you know, there's kind of money out of the sky. Well, you need to understand what the value is to them. The other thing is there's a, they de-minimize the impact to your property. Again, this is a sales technique. They say, oh, it's going to be over here. It's going to be out of the way. And people say, ah, oh, no big deal. And so our job and, and what we try to get 
property owners to understand is that understand what understand what you're offering the the, the cell tower company or the AT&T Verizon of the world. Understand that first of all. Don't worry about what they offered you. Understand what you're offering them. Number one, that's your financial side. The second thing is understand what you're agreeing to in exchange. Because people get focused on that rent figure and they get they just totally go blind to look at what they're agreeing to. And think of this, you're going to be entering to a long-term agreement with some of the largest companies in the world, not in your town, not in your state, not even in this country, in the world. And you better understand what these agreements mean. They can be very advantageous, but they also can, if you don't do them correctly, they can be problematic. And so, so that's where it's a balancing act um, uh, when you when you approach to put something on your property. Yeah, that's a lot. That's certainly a lot to think about. And do you also uh, like do you also have certain responsibilities for maintaining the property? Because uh, I had this vision of because I grew up in a rural area and I know what it looked like when you had the easements for the power lines. Do you also have to do uh, do maintenance on the property to make sure that a bunch of stuff doesn't grow up around the tower and within a certain distance and things like that? Well, not so much. You're, you're you have to maintain your overall property and you have to keep up with with governmental standards to make sure the property is in, in compliance with, with the local or st state governmental standards for the property. But beyond that, the areas that are being used by, well, you should at least, the areas that are being used by the telecom company should be maintained by them, should be um, the, the requirements, the governmental requirements should also are the responsibility of the telecommunication company, et cetera. So now if you have a situation, let's say what we hear a lot is, hey, there's some trees over near this uh, the cell tower. You know what happens if one falls down and damages the cell tower, the equipment yeah. of the cell tower. Yeah. So it's kind of like the 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 quickest example I can give to you is it's like if you if you live next your next door neighbor and you have a tree on your yard and your backyard and your and the tree falls and and you know windstorm comes tree falls and hits your neighbor's house. Well, that's an act of God. And unless, and you're okay, you're, his, his or her insurance would pay for that, and that's not your responsibility. It happens. Now, however, the one caveat to that, exception to that, would be if you knew that tree was rotted out, and you knew you should have taken that tree down, and you didn't do it, and you just left it up there, you, you just negligence, there was negligence on your part, then then the next door neighbor could say, hey, Adam, you know, you should have, I, I saw that tree, there's no leaves on that tree, limbs were falling down all the time, you should have taken that down, and when that windstorm came and knocked it down, it fell on my house, even though that's an act of God, you were negligent, and you should have taken that tree down. Now, same thing in a cell tower situation, you have an obligation to, to make sure that you're not negligent, but if something like that happens, a tree falls over in a storm, and it just happens, you're not responsible for that. Okay, yeah, uh, because I can see people who have visions of, well, I have five acres, uh, and I use one acre for the house and the yard around it, and then I use this other acre for a little garden I have, and I have a pet pony, and uh, he uses this half acre, but the rest of it I just leave because nobody lives by, and it's on a hillside anyway, so I'll just stick the tower way up there, uh, because I don't go up there, I don't have to do anything, the tower can just stand there, but at the same time, I know from living in a rural area that... Uh, yeah, climbing up and all that property my family owned, uh, you saw dead trees having fallen over. And that old, it's like that old thing. If the, uh, if nobody was there, if nobody was there when it fell, did it make a sound? Well, it certainly made an impact. Right, 
Right. So there's again, it's 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 like any any sort of a of, of agreement that you have when you're leasing part of your property or part of your building or whatever the case may be. Um, you need to make sure that you maintain. You need to make sure that you can't be classified as being a negligent. But it's a very rare circumstance that that happens. Um, uh, but again, I would tell any property owner who's leasing their land or thinking about leasing their land for a cell tower uh, or their building for a rooftop antennas, just to make, make sure they're maintaining their property like they would anyway, and they should have no issue. All right, so this is something that wasn't officially uh, in our agenda here, but I want to bring it up because I see a lot about this on the internet. There's a lot of controversy about 5G and the potential health impacts. And for those that believe that, and I'm not sure because I'm not fully educated on it, which is why I'm asking you, I do think about how there have been all kinds of political battles over where did they put the transformer for the, for the power wires because of the science that shows that that can lead to increased instances of cancer so if you're building uh cell towers particularly the 5g and if you could you know also tell us what's really going on with that does that potentially expose you to some sort of liability from your neighbors well that's a that's a very big question i'll try to answer best i can is that with regards to 5g and the, the equipment in general um you know there's studies all around the world that say, hey, these, you know, just general telecommunication equipment uh, is not harmful. And there's some that say that it is. And so we're not, our firm isn't uh, in the medical side of this, where I will tell, I will tell you that I've uh, been in the industry for a very long time. And we don't believe that unless you have long-term exposure, close exposure to the equipment, could there possibly be an issue? Uh, also, anything that's, anything that is, um, uh, installed on your building or in your property has to meet certain governmental requirements, et cetera. So um, I, again, I would tell you that I always use the, you know, we get a lot of times where people say, hey, this, this cell tower is in my area. I think it's harmful. I say I'm more concerned about uh, myself, my kids going to McDonald's every day or going to fast food every day, um, eating that than I would be living within a, you know, 500 yards of a uh, of a cell tower. Um, now, with regards to the responsibility of a property owner, um, the one thing I will say, which is a very interesting topic that I'm glad you brought up, is that are you responsible for others around you? Now, the one, th the, the one issue that comes into play is that most uh, cell site agreements, the ability to, you know, lose a land by the, the wireless company they're able to install their equipment. You see what they're going to install, but they're able to change it throughout the years. And most property owners, whether they have a building or, or land and leasing that area to, to a wireless carrier, they don't have an oversight of what's going on up there. So they may say, let's say I'm a, I'm a wireless carrier and I come to you and I say, Adam, here's my agreement. Here's the study. Here's this report that says everything I'm going to put up there is perfectly okay for everybody, perfectly safe. And you go, great. But let's say a year later or two years later, they go out and change equipment. And now, and you don't have anything, you've negotiated nothing in your agreement to allow you to review what they're doing out there. So the issue is now you've lost control of what's on your building or what's on your property. Now that's an issue for you because it could cause, you know, you don't have a certainty of his, if it's safe or not. But here's the other thing. If I'm your neighbor or if I'm, let's say this is a school with a equipment on a, a cell tower in the, in the, and the, the near the baseball field or on top of one of the buildings and and one of the the 
parents of one of the teachers comes, uh, parents of one of the students, I should say, comes up and says, hey, how do we know this stuff is safe? And the administrator for the school says, well, we don't. We don't know what's up there because they change it every so often. Now, you, have you been negligent and not having some sort of oversight on what these companies are doing on your, on your building or on your property. So it's very important to answer your question more directly. It's very important to understand what's going on your property day one, but it's more important to make sure you have oversight and the ability to review what's going to be up there over time. So in general, I tell you my belief, and this just personally for me, is the equipment is safe, um, but it's always, it's always prudent to make sure that you have ways to maintain a level of understanding of what's on your property and also to require these companies to provide you proof that they meet governmental standards, that you feel like the equipment is safe for not only yourself, but tenants in the building or people that live around you as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing or two to consider for sure. And I wanted to make sure that we address that. Now, another thing that's going on is, you know, companies like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile are, they're not forever. They get bought out, they get split up, they get reconsolidated. I mean, think about uh, what's happened with, uh, you know, Bell Telephone to AT&T and Verizon and all these other things that people, unless they study history, know one time were either one company or at one time were several companies. I mean, oh, goodness gracious criminy so with certain things going on today like the sprint t-mobile merger which is a big deal very recently what is the potential impact of these types of changes these mergers on competition for the wireless industry and how can that impact the person getting involved with the cell towers well i think you know you make a great point is that all these companies for the most part evolved from AT&T <laughs> back years ago. I mean, there were right. AT&T was broken up in the late 90s and, and Verizon spun off and T-Mobile spun off and Sprint spun off to some extent. And so they're now they're somewhat kind of consolidating back. So the the recent um, T-Mobile Sprint merger is really the one of the biggest consolidations we've seen. Um, and that was that was necessitated by Sprint having some financial issues and they need some stability and the two uh, T-Mobile and Sprint merge. Now, what it means for the industry is that, you know, the government allowed that this merger to happen, but they put into play certain parameters about how, how it could happen and also open the door a little bit wider for a new entrant, another another uh, competitor to enter the market. And that's most likely going to be Dish Network, who's building out their infrastructure and has a, a pretty big plan to do so at a, an expedited pace. For, for general consumers, the more competition out there, the better. Uh, it provides innovation. It provides uh, uh, price stability, et cetera. For a property owner and for the cell tower companies as well, uh, the more uh, active participants that put equipment on these cell towers or uses space on rooftops or other structures, the better for the property owner uh, because that generates more revenue. The value of the sites go up uh, and it's better for everybody because um, there's also a, an ability to, um, again, generate more revenue, but there's also ability if you have a very few um, competitors in the market, they also can not only limit the amount of revenue amount of tenants, but also they can, I say they can determine what they're, they're going to pay 
property owners or pay the cell tower companies to use those areas. So in general, um, consolidation is, is never good. It kind of, but consolidation in this particular situation, I think, took a, took a situation where Sprint had to be propped up by T-Mobile uh, being part of that. And I think it's going to open the, the pathway to dish network entering the market. And I also think that what you're going to see and kind of going back to what we were talking about the rural areas, I think what's going to happen there is you're probably going to see uh, some regional and um, I won't say local, but more, I'd say regional carriers prop, uh, be propped up to uh, have competition in those in certain areas that provide those rural uh, areas uh, service for wireless, et cetera. I was gonna make a comment a few moments ago, but I held back because there's something that I want people to recognize about how the more things change, the more they remain the same. Because remember when I mentioned about, well, these all these different companies have come and gone, they've merged, they've split, they've recombined and everything else. So, a few of our historically astute listeners may know where I'm going with this, especially since we discussed the idea of cellular becoming a utility. So, Hugh, what do you mean when you say, because I've heard you say this, that the cell tower industry is in some ways like the oil industry 100 years ago? Well, I mean, the, the, the wireless industry, more particularly the cell tower industry, was modeled after the oil and gas industry. If you think about it, if you just close your eyes, you look at a cell tower and you, and you think in your eyes, well, there's, a, there's, a, there's an oil well. well. They kind of look the same to some extent. There's, there's a structure on top of the land. They're kind of pointing up. They're at a certain height and everything of that nature. But the bigger comparison would be, think of it, go out, think of the oil industry. Went out, got property owners to agree to long-term lease rights to their property at basically fixed rates. What I mean by that is you think about uh, these agreements that are being used for cell towers or more particularly back in the old days for old, old, old uh, companies. They go out and say to Mr. and Mrs. Jones, hey, we're going to pay you, um, let's say we're going to pay you $500 a month. We're going to increase that 3% per year. We want a 50-year agreement, 50-year lease to use land, and we get to keep all the oil. And no matter how much oil there is, we get to keep all the oil, you get your $500 a month, 3% more every year. Well, so the, the property owner thought, well, great, uh, you know, that's, that's a wonderful deal. But these, these companies, the oil, the oil companies, were just making more and more money because they understood it was a utility agreement. They understood that they could, they could fix cost. If I got them to agree to a rent, an escalator, and a term, I, can, I know how much I'm going to pay them over that 50 years, no matter how much oil I get from their land. And in addition to that, if the oil well goes dry, I have this out clause. I can walk away. If it goes dry five months from now or five years from now or 25 years from now, I can pick up my stuff and go away. And I don't have to pay these guys anymore. So they lose control of their land. They don't get any part of the, of the value of their land we're pulling out of the ground. And if the, again, if it becomes a bad deal, I get to go away. They have, they have the better end of the deal. The old company has the better end of the deal. So now you move forward to present day and starting back in the late 80s, early 90s, and you look at look at the cell tower industry. Go out to property owners, get them to agree to a long-term lease agreement, give them, get them to agree to a rent, an escalator, and a long-term. 
no matter how much value you got from their land over time by upgrading equipment, adding more tenants, anything that increased the utility that you're garnering from their property, the property owner wasn't getting anything more. So you keep only adding value and your costs stay the same. And in addition, for some reason, if you don't need the, the site anymore, then you can walk away and not have to honor the rest of the agreement, no matter how long that agreement was. So they're just modeled after each other. They're, what we try to talk to property owners about in this particular facet is we say, even though you're leasing space or allowing somebody to use space, what you're actually entering into is a utility agreement. You need to make sure that you understand the value that, you're, that those companies are garnering day one, and also make sure that you put in a structure, not rent, but a financial structure that tracks not only how much space they're using, but how much value they're getting from that space. And that's how it's it, it comparison to the oil industry of the, the, uh, the, uh, the turn of the 20th century versus the cell tower industry of the turn of the 21st century. Yeah, what I was thinking of, uh, I was thinking much more micro than you were, is if you ever been driving along uh, and noticed that you come to a four-way intersection and at each corner of the intersection there's a different gas station and each one has a different company name yes i have yeah and uh, the reason that there are so many of these different gas companies out there goes back to actually the oil industry and standard oil and rockefeller and all that a lot of these companies are descendants of the various companies that splintered off after that monopoly was broken up. And it's funny how history repeats itself because everything used to be Bell Telephone. Correct. They're all, they're all descendants of, of Bell, of, of AT&T. Um, you know, all these companies have some trace of, 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 of that company in their, in their DNA. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's all, pretty important. So one final question here, and we're getting close to the end, is um, in terms of, you know, we, we address the idea of, you know, mergers and how they impact competition and what have you. Uh, now, how, now, let's say that I had some land and I decided that everything you said was good and I understood all your caveats and I was educated about it and I decided that, hey, I have some space here. Uh, I'd like to get in on this cell phone tower money. And I also know that there are four or five different companies out there that I bet would just love to expand their network. Uh, how do I go about working the market in such a way to get the most advantageous deal for me? And this, and this may, this answer is maybe a compilation of some of what you've already said, but I want people to walk away with some sort of framework for how they can move forward on this right away if they choose to. Well, I think the first thing I would tell people is that you know, if you believe your property is uh, going to be advantageous for a, a tower company or a wireless carrier like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, even Dish Network now, um, you know, the best thing to do is reach out to them, make sure they understand your property is available, get your contact information to them directly. And that kind of puts you in the kind of the queue to then contact you if they're looking in your area. There's no way to go, let's say, to a Verizon and say, hey, I have this property. You really need to you need to build a cell tower out here. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way, but uh -huh. you can get your, if you can get your, if you get your name in front of the right people, uh, that may be advantageous for you. But once that, if you, if they do give you a call or send you an email or uh, write you a letter or whatever the case may be, the big thing we tell people is to three basic things, understand 
the value of your property to the company leasing, wanting to lease it. Don't worry about what they're offering you. Understand what you're offering them because every cell site across this country, every one of them, every whether you have one down the road, across town, whatever, they all have different values, much like the oil and gas industry. Every You can have two oil wells that are a mile apart, but they have different value based upon production. And same thing with cell sites. They all have different values. And AT&T, Verizon, et cetera, doesn't look in a certain zip code and say all of them are the same value because they're in the same general area. They don't do it that way. So understand what you're offering, number one. Understand what you're offering on day one to the tower company or to the wireless carrier. Secondly, understand how to structure the lease correctly with regards to the financial side of it. What I mean by that is, as I said briefly, is it's a utility agreement. Make sure you get it right day one, but make sure you put a structure in place as the value goes up, as they're getting more and more value from your property, make sure some of that filters back down to you, flows back down to you. So that structure will not only enhance you today, but enhance you throughout the term of the lease, no matter how long that is. The third thing is understand what you're agreeing to. Make sure you understand how this affects you, if you have a business, your business operation of the property, and also how it affects your overall property, not just the area they want to use, because that is where we see the biggest mistakes from a non-monetary side. People, get, again, get focused on how much rent they're being going to be charging, and they don't understand exactly what they're getting into. Yeah, and I want to bring up one other point. You mentioned that uh, just because you have the land, uh, you approach the cellular carriers. They're not going to say, "Oh, oh, oh, Hugh has land. I'm going to go build a. I'm going to go build a tower there." They have plans for the development of their networks, and they may not need to put a tower there right now, or they may not want to put a tower there right now, or they may be thinking down the road they're going in that area, but that could be three years off based on their projections. So again, with history repeating itself. You couldn't get the oil company involved in your land unless you had oil. They're not going to put up a, you know, they're not going to put up a rig just because you say, "Hey, I'd like you to come here and pump and see what happens." You're exactly right. It's not. It's it's a situation by which, if you fall within their plans, that being the the, the cell tower companies, they'll approach you. Um, as I said, the best way to make sure that you you know that you're they you, they have your information when if they if they are looking in your area, but they won't. They're just not going to come to you because you think. You have a great site. I always tell people we get contacted by three to five hundred uh, property owners per week, per week. And they and these property owners say, have a great location in North Carolina, have a great location in Texas, have a great location in Ohio, wherever it may be. And we try to help them out. But the 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 quick answer is if you had a great location, they would be there. And so it's not a situation where they're, you know, not going to these sites just to spot out of spite. They're just because it doesn't fit their plans. The, but here's the, here's the silver lining, and it kind of goes back to something I said earlier, is that there is a tremendous need now. There is a, a, a need that is expanding at a tremendous rate going forward of the build out of wireless infrastructure. Like I also said, there's going to be an estimate of over half a million 5G sites built in the next four to five years. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean your property automatically is going to be open to the, being a sell site but it increases the odds. And so, so that's the silver lining. It may not be something that's a, a needed right now, but there could be more of a need down the road. Yeah, so as we wrap up here, where, where do you come into all this? Well, our company um, works with 
basically two types of situations, many uh, smaller types of situations in these two. But if a property owner has been um, contacted by AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, or any of the cell tower companies to possibly use their land for uh, building out a cell site, uh, whether it be a, a cell tower or, or equipment on their, on their building, we help those property owners understand the value of their, of their property to those companies, structure and, and negotiate these agreements uh, on, their, on their behalf to be an advocate for them and help them through that process. The other part of our business is we help uh, existing property owners or, or property owners with existing agreements in place, either a cell tower agreement or rooftop agreement, go back in those agreements and renegotiate those and restructure those to not only get tremendous gains in value and financial value, but also protect themselves better. In the last five years, our average increase, immediate increase in revenues for our clients on existing sites is over 300%, immediate. So think about three times the money that you're currently getting. That's our average. It's just by understanding value. That's how we do it. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. And, and do you work anywhere in the United States? Anywhere from one side of the country to the other. Oh, beautiful. And uh, you have a very easy to remember domain for your website. It's www.celltowerleaseexperts.com. That's correct. And, and yeah. uh, we welcome anybody to go to our website, uh, look us up, find out more about us and contact us with any questions they have or any way we can help them with a, a new cell tower lease or an existing one they have as well. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to point out just very quickly that you also uh, have a resource on your website for somebody who uh, is interested in at least exploring this right now. There's uh, some sort of lease analysis or something like that. Correct. We, we provide a free consultation, free review and free consultation with regards to any new lease that's been presented or any existing lease. And we'll, we'll discuss that with you and try to help you understand what your opportunities and options may be going forward. Outstanding. All right. Awesome. So again, uh, just say your website one more time. It's celltowerleaseexperts.com. And Hugh Odom, if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, correct me now if I'm not. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thanks, Adam. We again appreciate the opportunity to be part of your program. Awesome. And I do hope that uh, all, all of our listeners who are interested in additional investment opportunities go back and listen to this, subscribe to our show, and take careful notes because this was a great masterclass on how to potentially tap into something that could be a great additional stream of revenue for you, also understanding how to do it in a way that protects you and maximizes your benefits. So we trusted everybody tuning in today. Enjoy today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>